The blind stares of a million pairs of eyes Looking hard but won't realize That they will never see the pee Yes, sir. We are back. It is All Eyes on Cleveland, the podcast. I am your host, Brad Ward, coming to you on a Monday uh, in the middle of quarantine uh, pandemic uh, that we are dealing with across the country. Uh, But I am here to bring you some football, Browns football, with a terrific interview from the one and only Jeff Risden, managing editor at USA Today Sports Media Group's The Browns Wire, The Lions Wire. He is co-host at ESPN 961, uh, and he also writes for uh, on the NFL Draft for Real GM. You start getting excited. It's the All Eyes on Cleveland podcast. Yes, sir. We're back, uh, back at it in full effect. I am Brad Ward. I am your host. Uh, this is All Eyes on Cleveland, the podcast uh, coming to you, bringing you the most intriguing and uh, interesting uh, interviews with some of the uh, people at the forefront of Cleveland sports landscape. Uh, trying to bring that stuff to you on a regular basis. You can catch the show on iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Mikey screwed this up. iHeartRadio, Podknife, Radio.com, and Google Play. And as I just mentioned, Mikey uh, behind the glass on the ones and twos. Uh, and tonight we are excited as uh, I was able to catch up with Jeff Risden. He is the managing editor at the Browns Wire and the Lions Wire of USA Today Sports Media Groups. He also writes for the NFL's Real GM uh, and uh, is a co-host at ESPN 961 every Every Sunday that there is NFL football in the mornings, uh, 10 to noon, and then you can also catch him uh, filling in uh, all the time on that channel uh, when need be, Uh, and uh, that is certainly a great listen because Jeff is a great listen and was kind enough to bless us with some of his time. Uh, today, uh, a couple uh, things of note, real quickly, before we get into um, the uh, interview, because it is a terrific one, and we want to get right to it. Not going to make you wait uh, and listen to my babbling. But uh, uh, as Commissioner Roger Goodell uh, today has uh, just kind of put out what we already knew. Uh, but has informed clubs in a memo that uh, club facilities will remain closed indefinitely uh, and the league will conduct a virtual fo- fully, pardon me, quote, fully 
virtual, unquote, draft with club personnel separately located in their homes. Uh, That's how we expect it to go down. That's how the draft will go down. Uh, We talked to Jeff a little bit about that, and uh, that also is one of the two questions, uh, brings us to one of the two questions we have in the mailbag that we will hit at the end of the show. But without any further ado, I don't want to waste your time. Let's get right to uh, the meat and potatoes uh, and uh, get you to uh, the interview with Jeff Risden. Uh, terrific knowledge and outstanding breakdown of everything Browns that's gone on free agency, look into the draft, uh, evaluating the team at this point. So enjoy thoroughly. This is Jeff Risden, once again, managing editor at USA Today Sports Media Group's The Browns Wire. Uh, the Lions Wire, uh, co-host at ESPN 961 and a NFL draft writer for Real GM. Enjoy. And today, welcome to the show uh, on All I'm Done Cleveland, a very special guest, uh, my boss, top man over at uh, USA Today Sports Media Group's The Browns Wire and Lions Wire. He's the managing editor over there. Uh, he also writes for the NFL and NFL Draft for Real GM, and the co-host at uh, on ESPN 961. How are we doing today, Jeff? It is great to be with you, my friend. Good to good to hear your voice. <laughs> <laughs> good to hear yours as well. It's a uh, strange time we're living in, uh, so uh, it's uh, it's good to hear anybody's voice really these days. Um, how uh, how is everything on the uh, your quarantine front? Everything going well? You uh, getting through okay over there? Yeah, we are. Um, I have a 14 year old and an 11 year old, and they are bored stiff. Uh, yeah. I live in Michigan. Our schools have been canceled for the rest of the year, so everything's going to be virtual. Uh, so it's uh, it's a little awkward. You know, I'm used to working from home. I've I've worked at home since 2005. But uh, with four people in the house, it's kind of hard to get stuff done. Yeah, I saw you uh, retweet that one tweet. He's like uh, the guy that said he's worked home permanently, but this isn't really working from home. This is, you know, tr- trying to work from home in a worldwide crisis. So yeah, it's I, it's uh, tough because so I I usually um, I I'm a I'm a music aficionado. I always have music playing and it's generally loud, and I can't do that now, and it really has disrupted my flow. I'm not gonna lie, it's rough. <laughs> Uh, I, I as well have a 14-year-old, and uh, they are out of school as well and doing the virtual thing. So uh, now I am, uh, you know, you have to play teacher for a little bit as well, you know, check everything and, and make sure that he's on top of his stuff. But he is uh, he's bored as well. So and especially now you look outside, it's like a beautiful day. That I don't know where if it's the same way where you are, but it's beautiful out today. And uh, so I'm going to try to get outside and get some fresh air, maintaining our social distance. Um, I see here, uh, Jeff, uh, that you are a co-host on uh, ESPN 961. When can we catch those shows? Uh, so I am on um, primary. I'm actually the fill-in host, like when one of the two main hosts from the 3 to 6 afternoon drive time was out, I'm in. And I do host the show on Sunday mornings during football season. Uh, every, every Sunday from 10 to noon, uh, I co-host. Uh, yeah, it's, it's great. I get paid by a casino, a barbecue place, and a distillery to talk about football on Sunday mornings. That's, that, it couldn't be better. That is awesome. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. That's, that's cool. Uh, so I'll make sure to listen here uh, and uh, watch your Twitter for when you're going to fill in. And, of course, when 
all comes back, and whenever that is, we'll listen to you on Sundays as well. Um, so uh, to, today we kind of wanted to get into kind of everything that has gone on here with the Browns. We bring you on and get your, your thoughts on free agency and, of course, uh, with the draft around the corner here. Uh, wanted to start with uh, what the Browns did. Uh, their kind of headline moves, Austin Hooper and uh, Conklin, uh, they get in for the offensive side of the ball on day one of free agency. Um, your thoughts on those moves, the uh, their bigger moves, I guess you would call them, in free agency? Yeah, so I, I I was a little surprised that they they paid as aggressively as they did for Hooper. Doesn't mean he's not worth it, but uh, making him the highest paid tight end in NFL history on a on a per year basis, that's a pretty lofty step, uh, especially when you got David Njoku already on the roster. And mm-hmm. honestly, you know, Ricky Seals Jones was not bad last year. He's he's gone now. Good luck to him. Uh, and really, Pharaoh Brown wasn't bad either. So I, you know, I, I understand why they did it. it. It will help the Stefanski offense quite a bit. It's a very tight end centric offense with him and Najoku. They're going to be able to run the two tight end sets, which you know is a staple of of the Gary Kubiak system, which is what Stefanski runs and where he learned it from. But uh, it, it, it's a steep price to pay. It's a bit of a gamble, but it, it's an aggressive. What what has what has Andrew Barry said a lot? Going to be right. aggressive in his pursuit of talent, and he did that. Yep, he did. Yeah, he did. And Conklin, uh, you got you like that signing, correct? I do, um, and I'm not a huge Jack Conklin fan. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, his his dad actually once cursed me out on the air on 961. <laughs> uh, he's he's from the West Michigan area here where I live, uh, and I had some critical things to say about him in the draft process. And his dad called in and had his back, and uh, wound up getting bleeped off the air. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Interesting. But, yeah, but he he's a very good, very good NFL right tackle. He's yeah. been fine. He, he was he was great as a rookie. His battle injuries was really good again last year. He was the best tackle on the market. The the Browns need to 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 lift lift up that line really badly. So uh, you know, getting getting a permanent starting fixture at right tackle, it addresses the biggest need on the team with the best player available to fill it. I I don't see how fans could be upset with that. Right, yeah, that is that that is looked at as, as a nice win um, and puts them in a good position, obviously, for the draft. So as we turn towards their other needs on offense, uh, and you're listening to uh, Jeff Risen, special guest today on All Eyes on Cleveland. He's the managing editor at USA Today Sports Media Group, the Browns Wire and Lions Wire, co-host at ESPN 961, and he writes for the NFL and NFL draft at Real GM. Um, but uh, needs on offense for the Browns, Jeff. Obviously, tackle is, is what he is getting mocked at at 10. Um, you know, and then if you look kind of around, of course, wide receiver, I think, is a need on offense, and they're going to need maybe to fill that tight end room a little bit more. Um, what are your thoughts about the needs that they need to address um, on the offensive side of the ball at this point? You know, left tackle still have to come. Uh, there's, there's no question the starting left tackle for this team is not currently in the, in the NFL. I, I don't necessarily buy that Trent Williams would be a viable option, and even if he is, you still have to get somebody because he's old. Uh, and you know he had cancer last year. That, that's that's kind yeah. of a big deal. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, the ten pick or wherever they wind up in the draft, if they move up or down, and 
who knows what what will happen with that. It's got to be a left tackle. You know, they they do need a third wide receiver, and I, I think that's an understated need. Rashard Higgins is not he's not on the roster right now. He's a free agent, has not gotten many sniffs, so maybe he'll come back. But at this point, you can't count on it. Uh, Beck Beck and Landry, great combo. Uh, if your third wide receiver is Damian Ratley, probably need somebody better than that. Um, yeah, that's not just Ratley. I mean, he has a he has a role as your number four outside receiver, um, a guy who can stretch the field. And, and it's not a huge role in this defensive offense. Because like I said, they're going to play they're going to play a lot of two running backs. They're going to play a lot of two tight ends. So it's not a meaty role. It's not a you know pressing need. But they do have to get. I would like personally somebody who can play the slot um, and, and allow Jarvis to move around. He can play in the slot um, normally, um, but when you know when, when the other guy comes in, he can kick outside or do something like that. I, w- I would like to see that kind of guy. You know, in, in like the third, fourth, fifth rounds, I think that would go over very well. Yeah, a nice deep wide receiver class there uh, to pick from in this in this draft. Uh, my, let me tell you my concern with the wide receiver uh, room here, Jeff, and tell me what you think about this. So last year, Landry uh, injuries in preseason, on and off the field, not more off than on. Beckham uh, not around for the you know preseason stuff and uh, and then injured and, you know, didn't participate in a ton of the stuff with his groin and everything when he was around. Uh, it led to, obviously, uh, a lack of timing and things like that, or, or some can connect those dots, I guess, with Baker and, and everything. You saw, and it was typified in that, in the uh, Tampa Bay game where, you had a bunch of wide receivers that were fringe roster guys out there and him trying to execute the offense with them out there. So you envision in practice every day or in training camp every day, uh, him going through his installs and everything and all the reps he's getting with guys that weren't going to be on the roster or barely make the roster and not really uh, contribute. So there, there lies my fear here with Beckham and Landry coming off of surgeries, um, and who knows what this preseason is going to look like lengthwise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I almost feel like you have to get a couple guys in there that could contribute or will contribute for sure and be on your roster, so you're not installing everything. Every rep that Mayfield gets is with a guy who might not be here the next week. That is a real fear for me. Yeah, and it's a well-founded fear, honestly. I, I think you brought up one of the reasons why Baker struggled last year was the lack of continuity in practice. You know, Landry never practiced. Beckham seldom practiced. They were hurt. Um, they, they just didn't get that time together. And you know, when you're when you're throwing the ball to, you know, Antonio Callaway. Um, uh, yeah. Before he was before he got kicked out the door, way too late. Uh, you know, Ratley, um, and some of the other guys. You know, last last summer during training camp, uh, the week and a half that I was up in Cleveland, Jalen Strong was the number one wide receiver on the team. He didn't yeah. even make the roster. Yeah. Uh, so all those reps essentially went for naught. That I, I agree with you. We've got to get somebody in there who can reliably practice and catch. And and you know, if Landry is hurt or Beckham goes down and, and has to miss a game. You have a reliable starter in there, a guy who can can fill in capably, because they did not have that last year. 
And I think that's one of the reasons why Beckham and Landry Wolf played so much while they were hurting. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's a, I, I would not be upset at all if the Browns used – I wouldn't want to go with their second pick, but like their third and fourth picks yeah. even. Um, I wouldn't mind getting a couple of wide receivers in there because they, they need that, that depth there. Yeah, I mean, Kadero Hodge's special teams, I mean, he, they, they were using him as a wide receiver last year. I, you know, I, I'm really not really a big fan of that. DJ Montgomery's still on the roster, Damian Ratley, and then what do you think of Taiwan Taylor? He was never really used by Freddie very much, uh, but some people think <laughs> yeah. he has some talent. Any thoughts on him? You know, uh, he has played his way out of favor with a lot of different coaching staffs, both in college and in the pros. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I liked him in Western Kentucky. I like what I saw, you know, in the pre-draft process, but it just hasn't happened for him. Uh, he, he's the guy, he's got a, he, he gets labeled, and I, I don't use this label, he gets labeled as soft. And that's, that's not something that's easy to shake at the NFL level. It's not. It's not. Uh, very good. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of where I stand with the wide receiver thing. I'm glad that, uh, that you kind of see that the same way, make, make sure I'm not uh, going crazy there. But uh, um, <laughs> Well, we might both be crazy. <laughs> okay yeah, too. yeah that, that doesn't, yeah, that's not ruled out of the possibilities. But certainly um, something to look at for sure and keep in mind when, when the Browns uh, do get on the field or, or get towards their in-spots, however they're going to do that, uh, which is still all up in the air, sort of. Um, offensive tackle, you mentioned, you said it, it has to happen uh, it, with this first pick. Here, here's my question for you. There's a couple landmines in there in the first 10. What, what if they get to the fifth guy, Jeff, at 10, and uh, it's not their favorite guy. At, at what point do you say uh, player, uh, you know, need and in player available is a wide difference at ten? Like, no, that's you know. yeah. It's it, it's I I don't think we're gonna get to that point. I'm okay. Cause, okay let, let's go through who's gonna be gone. Burrow's gonna be gone. Herbert's gonna be gone. Uh, Tua. We'll, we'll say that he's going to be gone, too, although there's people that will argue that. I think yeah. he's going to be gone. Uh, I, I don't think there's any way um, that Jeff Okuda is still around. Chase Young. So there's five right there that aren't aren't tackles. Right. I'm I'm hopeful that no more than two offensive tackles. I, I do think Mekhi Becton will be gone, and it's probably a pretty good bet that, that Tristan Wirfs is going to be gone. So there's two. Um, then you're looking at the guys like, Will Isaiah Simmons, will the top wide receiver be at Riggs or Judy or both of them be gone? Yeah. You know, that, that, that's sort of where I'm looking at it with it. Will, will, will a guy like Caleb on Chase on, who's the second best pass rusher, will he be gone? You know, I, I think they're going to get a look at guys like Jedrick Wills, Andrew Thomas, and, and Josh Jones. I, th- I think, I think there's a fair chance that they will get to pick who they want from that threesome. Um, and, and, you know, may, maybe somebody else falls, but I, I kind of doubt it. Uh, so, you know, out of that group, I'm taking Wills uh, because I think he's most ready. Uh, I will say this though: Josh Jones has the most upside of any of those guys. He, he has. He now here's here's the disconnect. He he's a great athlete. He has he has limited reps playing at Houston, which isn't exactly in the the best power conference. Right. But but uh, his, his game tape says he's a fourth rounder right now. But his upside and what we saw, you know, I was down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. 
he was phenomenal down there. And that tends to be a pretty good, you know, predictor of, of how they're going to be. If, if he can handle the jump and competition there, and he, he flat out dominated pass rushers, and those are, those are drills that are designed for the defense to win. He looked fantastic. And he's got, you know, reasonable explanations for why he's an athletic late bloomer. He had to take care of uh, uh, some some family issues, um, nothing like sinister or anything. Just he had there was family health issues that he had to deal with that kept him from practicing full time for a long time. So you can see that the blossom is there. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be the pick though. I, I think out of that reason, I think they would take Wills, um, I, Andrew Thomas, really good player, very good prospect. He's got some inconsistencies in his tape. He's got some technical flaws. And, and the, the, as long as he's played, it's going to be tough to coach those out of him. I know Bill Callahan's a phenomenal coach. I yeah. think they're going to like what Wills offers athletically more than what they will with Thomas. That's my guess. I, I don't know that. That's just what I think. Yeah. Wait, and the ability to, like what, you mean like move uh, laterally in this uh, run game and things like that? Yeah, Will, Wills is really good at that. He's played in a, a pro-style set. Uh, not that, that Thomas didn't as well, but he's, uh, you know, he played right side. Uh, but I, I think I think they, they're going to like his athletic ability, his reactiveness, his ability to adapt once a play starts. That's something that, that Thomas has struggled a little bit with. Thomas can be top-heavy. He can lean out too far, uh, which leaves him really exposed to guys who can cross his face on the inside, and we've seen what Miles Garrett can do to guys who, who set up like that. Yeah. You know, so um, I, I said this the other day. Um, I was on the radio in, in Columbus and said this. There's a lot of Greg Robinson's negatives in the negatives with Andrew Thomas, yeah. and that scares me. That's uh, yeah, but you know, I I wouldn't hate the pick because he he does have some definitely good qualities. If you go back, you know, to this time last year, he was talked about as a possible number one overall pick. So yeah. I mean, uh, so was Justin Herbert for that matter. It's interesting how that plays out. That that that's yeah. for a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but so I, I, I don't think he's going to be their pick and he wouldn't be my pick of that group, but you absolutely cannot rule it out. Of that group though, I guess, let me, let me phrase it this way. Would you consider all five of them worth the 10th pick? Uh, I wouldn't take Thomas there and I probably wouldn't take Jones there. Uh, I, I would absolutely take any of the other guys. That thing is interesting. Um, I don't think he's the best fit either. But there's a lot of potential with a guy's 364 pounds shouldn't move like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he, he, you know, he. I know. Um, I, I saw this circulating around the other day. He has the lowest pass blocking grade by far of those guys from Pro Football Focus. Um, take that for what it is. You know, uh, I happen to, to like Pro Football Focus PFF. Yeah. Um, um, but you, you got to understand how they grade, and I think that that context helps you. But he's like significantly below that. Uh, that that is a little scary, honestly. Yeah. So, um, but I, I I have a have a pretty good hunch that he's going to go number four to the Giants, unless they take Isaiah Simmons. Uh, and if he's gone, uh, Arizona absolutely has to have a tackle. Uh, and unless unless somehow Okuda falls to them at eight, I can't see them passing on a tackle either. And he's a good fit for what they want. So, yeah, I I, I think we're I I think the Browns are going to avoid having to bite that bullet. Well, very good. That that's good to hear. It makes me feel better about the situation. I worry that you know they reach because of need. There, uh, I know there's five good ones, and then it 
falls off pretty pretty fast, right? Um, in this draft. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's guys like like um, Ezra Cleveland from Boise State gets right. some run. Uh, there's a lot of people that think he could be a second rounder. I would caution them to watch him play against anybody who can power rush at all. Demetrius Harris was a better inline blocker in terms of of standing up to to physical you know, bull rush guys as a tight end than Cleveland is as a left tackle. So there, there's a lot of concern with that. He's got to develop some strength. He's not ready to roll right away. Yeah. But uh, long-term, if he can add, you know, 10 to 12 pounds of functional bulk to him and, and get him to, to drop his hips and, and sink his weight, there, there's some potential there. He, he's got he's got the technique, and boy, oh, boy, has he got the movement skills. That's uh, – uh, thank you. That is excellent rundown there of all of our uh, – it's hard to find guys that know what they're talking about uh, when you talk about offensive linemen, Jeff. So thank you. That's very good stuff there. The uh, the tackle. Uh, a lot of people like to think they know what they're talking about with tackles, but not many do. So I appreciate that rundown there on our guys uh, that we're looking at at ten. Um, Chris Hubbard uh, reconstructed uh, salary um, from six fifteen to two fifteen, clearing three point six million dollars of cap space smart move by the ground probably i would think uh is he then probably slides into uh you know maybe a swing guy or something i don't know you tell me did he compete to start for uh guard you know that's that's a good question uh i don't think so but i can't again you can't rule it out uh yeah. i i love the fact that he did this um both for the browns and for hubbard himself yeah. It would have been really easy for him to be like, hey, man, you know, the fans hate me. And yeah. and they should because he's been terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I like the fact that he's sticking around. He he likes it well enough. He believes in the team enough that he's going to, you know, swallow that pride, take the pay cut, and stick around to be the third tackle. Yeah. That, that says a lot about his character, um, which, you know, nobody should ever question. But he's not been good enough to, to start. Uh, I'm I'm happy that he did that. Uh, it's it's a good move for both parties around. Class move. Yeah, yeah, yeah class move certainly, and good move by the front office as well. Maybe not one that would have uh, been done in the past. Uh, it takes a little nuance to get that done. So, uh, well done on their part too. Um, as I'm I'm going to swing around here to the defensive side of the ball, uh, Jeff, uh, you are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland podcast as our special guest. Jeff Risden uh, writes for NFL and uh, on the NFL draft for Real GM. He's the managing editor at USA Today Sports Media Groups, the Browns Wire, and the Lions Wire, co-host at uh, ESPN 951. You are uh, uh, you write uh, more than anybody I know, Jeff, so uh, fantastic work all the time. So, <laughs> Can I say something there? So I, 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 all of us at the USA Today Wires are encouraged to use the Grammarly app, and I would recommend it as well. Uh, that's just sort of like, you know, pick up on, on and correct, like, you know, misspellings and grammatical errors and stuff like that. But they, they track how many words you type a week. Yeah. And I'm always, like, in the 99th percentile of, like, how many words get written. <laughs> I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Uh, it's basically carry the, the two sites there. That's the uh, incredible amount of work that you put in and it's tremendous as well so um let's uh look at this so the free agency on the defensive side of the ball here Jeff they've kind of thrown some darts right they you know yeah they've just fired a lot of bullets here you know uh you got 
Billings, recently Claiborne, Goodson, Johnson, Carl Joseph, I kind of like. Sendejo, I, I don't know if, you know, what you want to say about him. I mean, he's a veteran, <laughs> right? Maybe a good presence in the locker room. That's like, uh, the Alumba guy has never really been off of, uh, from Dallas, has never really been off of a practice squad. JoJo Natson is a good signing, I think, uh, especially now that they can carry an extra couple players. Uh, for special teams, um, and then uh, you know that that's what they've done defensively, really. Um, so there's big holes here, right? At linebacker, safety, and really depth everywhere. Um, would you say at this point? Because I know what my answer would be, and other people have answered differently, and I was kind of shocked. But is the defense better or worse on paper uh, as it stands right now? Um, in your opinion, Jeff? I I think they probably function better, but it's a short-term better. You, you look okay. at guys like, you know, um, Billings is on a one-year deal. And I like I think he's a good signing. I, yeah. I, I, like, I like what he offers. I think he's going to fit very well playing inside Larry Ogunjobi or, or next to Ogunjobi inside Miles Garrett and, 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 you know, maybe with Sheldon Richardson rotating in, um, Richardson being the starter, obviously. Uh, keeping those guys fresh up front, uh, I, I think I think he's a great fit because he does something that nobody else does. He sits and anchors and soaks up blockers. Yeah. That's that's not something that they had last year. Right? Yeah, they're missing that big time. Yeah, and, and you know he knows the division. He knows he knows how to play. He's a good player, so I, I like that one. Carl Joseph, good low risk signing, um, you know, with, with high potential for a return. He's got to stay on the field. When he's been on the field, he's been a difference maker for the Raiders. He's a guy who's his highlight reel. My God, he is the hit stick, yeah. uh, and, and he can he he can get after the ball too. You know, I, I like it. He's he's better than what Demarius Randall was when they're both at their peak. The, the thing is, he's got to stay healthy and he's got to stay there, um, and he hasn't proven that he can do that. Interesting. You know, you know the rest of the guys, um, Goodson. Goodson, a lot of people want to make him the replacement for Joe Schober. He's not the replacement for Joe Schober. He's the replacement for Christian Kirksey. Uh, and if you're expecting more than that, you're going to be disappointed in B.J. Goodson. Uh, right. This is a guy, he he was given a starting role with the Giants, quickly played his way out of it. Was given a starting role with the Packers, quickly played his way out of it. If he's your fourth linebacker, that's great. If he's playing yeah. special teams, if he's playing against the run, um, when the other team has a fullback in the game, he's great. If he's got to move backwards even one step on a play, you're gonna you're gonna hate BJ Goodson. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> Good to know. Um, uh, what about uh, anybody else that you see? What do you think of Kevin Johnson? You know, another first round. Oh, Kevin Johnson. Yeah. So so I, uh, as you know, and, and some people know, I covered the Texans uh, before I covered right. the Lions. Uh, I lived in Houston for for uh, several years, and, and my family is all Texans fans, other than me, um, although I like them too. Uh, so I've watched him a lot. He's, oh man, he is hurt so much, and it's because he's built like a toothpick. Yeah. Dude is six foot one, and if he's listed at one eighty, he's playing at one seventy. There's no way he's that bulky. He played well for Buffalo last year. All credit to him. But Houston, my God, they could not get him out of town fast enough. He is a guy who who does not have mental confidence in his own abilities, or at least did not show it in Houston. This was a guy who would make a bad play, and it would get on him, and he would dwell, and it would 
it would fester and get worse and worse and worse. And, uh, you know, that's, well, he's, he's been hurt a lot. He's had a lot of foot problems, uh, shoulder problems, uh, had a knee, I think as well. You know, if you're getting the guy that, that played in Buffalo last year, you're getting a, a starting slot corner who is as good as TJ Carey was last year. If you're expecting more than that, again, I'm, I'm worried that Bronson's going to be disappointed because he had a great situation in Buffalo where they had a really good pass rush. They had, you know, he didn't have to be higher up on the depth chart than, than he needed to be. And I'm worried the Browns fans are wanting him to be something that he he has only very sporadically been throughout his six-year career. Uh, the guy that, that played the last two or three seasons in Houston, that guy doesn't make – not only doesn't he make the Browns, he doesn't make any NFL team. So th- th- there is some risk here. And now, again, they assign him to a smart one-year deal. Yeah. They're not depending on him. As long as they're not depending on him being, you know, one of your top three corners, that's great. He can emerge and, and be that for a year. That's fine. But uh, if, if you think that he's going to go out there and beat out Greedy Williams as the starter, and, and I, I, as you know, I'm not a Greedy Williams fan, uh, that, that's asking a whole heck of a lot more than Kevin Johnson has delivered over his career. Right, yeah. So ideally, he, you know, you would get him in the slot and keep him there and hope that you get the best out of him, right, or get the better. Yeah, he's your TJ Carrier replacement. He's half the price of what you paid for Kerry last year. Right. You can't hate on that. But just don't think that this guy is going to be your long-term solution anywhere on the defense. If he if he gives you a year as a bandage, fantastic. And he can he can do that. I I wouldn't wouldn't shock me if he did. But I'm not depending on it. Yeah, I see what you mean here. You know, as yeah, as I look down these guys, man, some one-year deals, except for maybe Claiborne uh, and uh, and those. Uh, you know, so with the one-year, you're saying kind of like the, right now with the one-year deals they would be as good as, I guess, maybe uh, as they were last year if, if things played out properly? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're missing Schobert, um, and, and that, that is a loss. Um, as long as the guys that they signed at safety are healthy and, you know, fit, they, they're probably as good as they were last year. But, man, that there's still no depth. I, I'm not a shoulder red wine guy. Love JT Hassel on specialties, but I don't want to play in on defense. No, uh, they're they are still in need of reinforcements there. But thankfully, there's a draft coming up in two weeks. Yeah, which which brings me to my next question: Is there enough room in this draft to fill the holes on the defensive side of the ball? So I mean, obviously, I, I think that safety is a priority, at least in my opinion. Uh, I think you need another one. Um, and I think you could get a starting caliber one maybe, right, in the second round or third round maybe. Um, there's some guys there that I like. Um, and then maybe and then you've got to address linebacker as well. Uh, you've got to do left tackle in the first round. You've got a lot of got to do this, got to do that, you know, check, you know, check off the box and make sure you cover those areas. Is there enough room in this draft to um, – fill out the defensive side of the ball. I feel good about the offensive side of the ball at this point, but, you know, to fill out the defensive side of the ball and uh, be competitive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and again, that's that's why these one-year Band-Aids come in handy. You'll probably see another couple of those guys. Uh, it's gonna, free agent signings are really going to slow down here. It's going to peak up again. 
Um, once training camps eventually start where guys are going to be like, you know what, I probably need to get on a team now. Um, and, and there's some guys out there, they're not going to be, you know, helpers. But, again, if you're looking for a one-year Band-Aid, you can probably find a guy like that. Yeah. Uh, they got to get another safety into the mix, though. And I, I would love to have a young developmental safety who can who can play right away but also has long-term starting potential. Uh, a guy yeah. like Jeremy Chin out of Southern Illinois is a guy who's caught my eye. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. would be phenomenal. Now, he's got serious medical flags. Uh, going back to his high school career, he has been hurt a lot. But uh-huh. it, on the field when he's played, he's the best safety in his class. Um, but, again, you're looking at a guy who's missed most of four seasons of football since his sophomore year of high school. Wow. <laughs> That's uh that's that's that, that's a tough gulp and swallow there. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I love the I love the guy. I loved his dad. I love the fact that he's you know he's from Akron. You get you, you, I appreciate everything that he does, but man, there's you know I, I just wish he was healthy because otherwise he would be an ideal second round pick. And I wouldn't hate. I, in fact, I would love having him be the num, the, the second round pick. Yeah, number forty one. But uh, the, the, you got to understand that there's some injury and durability issues with that. So you know he's a guy. Chin's a guy. I think Grant Delpit is going to be there, and I think he's yeah. falling. He's falling probably for good reason. There's a lot of. I don't really want to get into it because it's it's you know hearsay. But there, let's just say that he's falling, and nobody is all that surprised that he's falling if you've been around the LSU program from what I gather. Yeah. So um, put it that way. Uh, I I like him as a player, and I actually did a mock draft during the season where I'm like, you know what. Screw left tackle. Let's get Grant Delpit in there because he's a great player. Uh, yeah. And it, 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 for whatever reason, it, it's not. It doesn't look like he's going to be there, be a first round pick, and might not. The Browns could pass him in the second round too, from from what I understand. Uh, he's a good player, though. I wouldn't hate it. You yeah, know, there's, there's 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 some there's some other safeties. Um, if you look later, uh, Geno Stone out of Iowa is a guy who's going to get a lot of love as a probably fourth or a fifth round player. Kind of a limited athlete, but man, he he brings it downhill. Um, if, if you liked Thane Gash back in the day, you're gonna like Geno Stone. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, awesome. Um, uh, along those same lines, while I got you going through some names, what do you think at linebacker? You know, they got the two uh, third round picks. That's gonna have to be addressed as well. Who do you like in that neighborhood? You know, so that's that's an area. Malik Harrison would be a good one, uh, yeah. and I I think he's going to be there for that first pick. He can play, and he does sort of the things that they need him to do. If you use Mac, if you consider Mac Wilson as your coverage linebacker, and I think that's where he should be playing um, as, as your nickel guy. He stays on the field in passing situations. Not a guy that you necessarily want to blitz a lot or have have in run defense a lot. I think they have that niche filled. So I would like a guy who can play. You know, an off-ball role who can you know cover a tight end, but also blitz and and you know get outside and make tackles outside the tackle box in the run game and the screen game. That's not something that Wilson does very well at this point. Right. Uh, but but a guy who can also you know you know drop the hammer between the tackles against the guy who's trying to run at him. You know, who can dodge a fullback coming at him and, and get a hand on a guy. You know, that that's that's the kind of linebacker that I'm looking for in Cleveland. And you can get guys like that, you know, second, third, fourth round. Uh, Harrison's a good one. Uh, the kid from Wyoming, Logan Wilson, is a great fit for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can't turn and run and cover anybody either. But right. it, yeah. for the job that I just described, 
he's a great fit, and you're probably getting him with your your second, third round pick, and I'd, I'd be very happy with that. Very good. Uh, good stuff, uh, Jeff, uh, and uh, lots of good things there to look for um, in the uh, draft as they look to fill those holes on the defense, defensive side of the ball. Obviously, depth they'll have to fill, you know, in the later rounds. I would think that that's what they'll be trying to do, um, and uh, uh, you never know what you're going to get uh, trade, trade-wise <laughs> on, uh, on draft day. Uh, and, you know, uh, AB, you know, has been aggressive, like you said. So let's hope for the hope for the same when it comes to draft day. And like you said, we should see a little bit of a spike here in free agency. You said um, here coming around the corner before. The yeah, I, I I think you'll see something like in the next few days. We're recording this on Monday. I think by Friday that market will probably be done. I think yeah. teams are going to be like, why do I sign a guy now when yeah. I can you know, wait for the draft? And I think I think the players themselves are going to be like. I need to get on a roster now, or they're going to be like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to pick my spot after the draft where I think I can go and play, you know, where they're going to need me most. Um, and I, I think that, that that blend typically happens the last two weeks before free agency. You could also see some trades. I don't think the Browns are going to get involved in any of those. There's talk that they're going to shop Najoku. I don't buy it. If it happens, I'll be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't buy that either. Um and then, you know, there's been lots of talk of course of course about Jadavian Clowney, um and uh which seems kinda silly uh, at this point with uh Claiborne in place. Um, yeah. what are your thoughts there? I mean, so you've got it's a weird situation with the way that Vernon's contract is, right? You don't owe him anything else, right? I don't right. think. No, 15, $15.5 million in salary this year, not a dime of it is guaranteed. The Giants right. paid all the guarantees. Yeah, so, so they're, they don't, they're not, like, up against it to cut him, right? There's no time no. frame to do it. So they can really just hang on to him to see if that spot gets filled by, you know, whatever, maybe a sweetheart deal comes across your plate, and you do want to cut it and, and cut him and, and bring in somebody else. Um but Clowney asking 17 to 18, uh, uh, upwards towards $20 million. You know, he's at, what, 15.5, I think. I would just yeah. kind of stay where you're at with that, especially now that you've added Claiborne. Thoughts on that situation? Yeah, um, I, I love getting Claiborne for the deal that they got him for. And he's yeah. a guy that I, I overlooked him in free agency when I was, you know, doing all the, oh, the best list that the Browns should get. Yeah. Um, and, and I never put him on any of them. And I, I, I was aware that he was out there, but I, I, I guess I didn't prioritize that, but in looking at what they got him for and the production that he's got, he ha- he had more sacks and a better pass rush rate than Clowney did last year. Yeah, and they're getting him they're getting him for six million a year. Clowney wants three times that. Hell no, yeah, <laughs> hard pass. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, and I, I, there's a lot of Browns fans who seem to, and I, I went through this on Twitter with a lot of people yesterday. So I'm not singling any of you single people out because there was a lot of y'all who think that Clowney is an outside linebacker. No, he yeah. is he is Sheldon Richardson in yeah. the Browns' defense. He, he's, he's less likely to drop in coverage than Vernon is. He's at his best when he's playing between the guard and the tackle on the offensive line and has a two-way go uh, yeah. or heads up over the tackle. That's where he plays at his best. He had three sacks last year. He had nine the year before that in Houston – playing largely with Whitney Merciless, who was a, a pro bowler, standing yeah. right 
right outside his outside shoulder, and yeah. blockers had to pick which one they were going to go after. Yeah. Um, so if you bring him into Cleveland and put him there and, and let him play next to Miles Garrett or in front of Olivier Vernon, I think he'd be really, really good, but I ain't paying $18 million for that. Yeah, no, definitely not. Yeah, certainly. And, uh, uh, you know, Vernon didn't stay healthy, but there were times, I mean, he flashed. It's not like he's not a good football player. I think he can he can produce it at close to the same level, if not, than Clowney. And, and yeah, they're, they're very similar players. I put a thing up on Browns Wire uh, Saturday um, comparing them. They're really, really close to the same player. Uh, Clowney gets gets more pressures per rush, and he makes more plays uh, outside the tackle box in the run game than Vernon does. But, again, that, that's not what you're paying your defensive end for. You're paying them to, to get pressure on the quarterback and sack the quarterback. Yeah. Vernon does that reasonably close to the same level. Claiborne actually does it better than both of them. Yeah. So it's not something where – you know, I, I see no reason why to cut bait with Vernon. Unless you're frustrated with his injuries, he's a fine player for what they got him for. And, again, yeah. it's, it's a one-year deal. If you're going for it this year, he's better than, than what you're going to get. He's already accounted for in the cost. Why not keep him? Yeah. He's, 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 he's a fine player. Yeah, I mean, he's off the books next year, right? Exactly. I mean, who cares, right? Yeah, if you hate him, he'll be gone in a year. Be happy with that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, you don't need that money till next year anyway. So. Right. You, uh, you do have to sign Miles Garrett at some point. Right. He's going to cost. He's going to cost. Oh boy. He yeah. could. He could legitimately get twenty five million a year if yeah. if he goes out and does this year what I think he's going to do. He's going to yeah. get that. Um, that. That's that's when you say bye bye, Mister Vernon. We don't need you yeah. anymore. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well said. Um, so let's uh, hear to finish things up today and thank you for your time again uh, you're listening to Jeff Brisden uh, here on All Eyes on Cleveland as we're kind of hashing out the Browns uh, uh, free agency so far and leading up to the draft um, and then uh, kind of pivoting towards uh, what happens next year with all this I'm some questions probably that you'll never have to answer again the rest of your life uh, considering this is a one-time thing, but uh, or hopefully, uh, but well, first of all, let me ask you this: What are your size? Uh, did you listen to Stefanski? I'm sure you did. Listen to Stefanski's yeah. conference call on Friday, and, and how did you think he sounded? And, and your ta- any takeaways from that? You know, he is a very different um, personality from Freddie and from yeah. Hugh, and I think the the level of professionalism that he brings to that, the, the the level-headedness, the measured thought, I think is something. You know, one of my big criticisms of Freddie was that he would get into a press conference and he would say, I'm not going to talk about that. And then two questions later, he would spend 10 minutes talking about that. Yeah. I hated that. It drove me nuts. Yeah. And the Cleveland media, um, and I raised my hand, I am part of it. I, I do participate in the conference calls. Uh, I'm not I'm their post game. Uh, but they love to they love to push those buttons, man. And yeah. uh, Stefanski is really good at diplomatically deflecting that. Yeah. Um, Hugh, Hugh took those questions personally, and that was to his detriment. One of the many things that he didn't do well as a coach. I don't see that from Stefanski. I'll, I'll go to the other organization that I cover for a second, the, the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. He reminds me of Jim Caldwell in the way he handles things, and Caldwell. 
Caldwell wasn't a very good X's and O's coach, but, like, the players loved him. The fans generally respected him um, for how he handled things. I see a lot of that in his defense. He's in control. He has a plan. He's not going to make rash decisions. He's going to think. And he he understands what he's going to be thinking about. I never got that sense with Freddie. I never got that sense with you. Certainly never got that sense with Chizinski, um, to go back a little bit further. Um, the, the last Browns coach that was sort of like that was Eric Mangini for me. Uh, he had some other issues. He had some arrogance issues that, that cost him, and uh, and you know, he certainly will acknowledge that now, but didn't at the time. You know, I, I think that level of professionalism is going to be welcomed in the locker room, having that stability, that, that pillar of integrity of thought. Um, that's not something that we've had in Cleveland for a while, and I think it's going to be a very welcome change for the fans, for the players, and for the media too. Yeah, no question. Uh, it's something that I've been frustrated at, uh, usually frustrated with over the years with Hugh and Freddie, especially. And, and at times, I like to listen to Freddie uh, more so in the preseason. And once they started playing games, it didn't make <laughs> it. Wasn't quite Freddie, Freddie, Freddie's press conferences were just, oh, my God. Yeah. Don't take the cheese, dude. It's bait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and Hugh, uh, yes. Like you said, to take it very personally and get into stuff that never needed to get into is, you know, these guys just need to. I just wish, and I feel like Stefanski does a pretty good job at it. He doesn't. He's actually smarter to not even have to say, "I'm not going to talk about that." He can just kind of deflect, you know, in, in other ways. So uh, you don't have to tell the press everything, right? So exactly. You know, you, 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 if you can answer the question without answering the question. That's a brilliant tool. Pete Carroll's a Pete Carroll's a wizard at that. Yeah. Um, John Harbaugh is a wizard at that. Uh, I'm hoping that Stefanski is more like that than he is his yeah. Browns predecessors. Yeah, definitely. So he gave a lot of credit too uh, in, in the um, conference call to the IT department as he was getting questioned about uh, you know potential disadvantages that the Browns would face. Um, how far does that go with you? I mean, you got to believe that all 32 teams have tremendous IT departments. You wouldn't think that one would excel over another in this in this scenario, would you? Uh, I would. I would worry about if I were a Bengals and or Raiders fan about that. But other than that, yeah, I think all the other 32 teams are probably on good footing there. Okay. Um, but, but so it is a little bit different because this is a. This is a coaching staff that's never worked together before. It's cobbled together from a bunch of different places. There is some concern on that, that they're not going to, you know, thank goodness that the IT department is good and competent and can do all this. But there is there is something to be said about having that face-to-face interaction where you can, you know, pick up on on the little ticks in the body language and, and you know, does the eye flare a little bit, you know, does, does the, you know yeah. can you see him sweating or something like that, you know, just yeah, little things like yeah. that. You're not getting that. You don't have that familiarity. And I do think that that is a disadvantage. But uh, they're they're doing the best that they can. That's it's kind of out of their control, you know. Yeah. Nobody yeah. knew this was coming when when they hired a, a brand new staff from everywhere. Uh, I heard uh, Will Brinson mention this, um, and I wanted to bring it up to you about if you if he was the Browns, he would have conducted multiple uh, team mock drafts. So uh, as to make sure that you hash out any uh, problems uh, 
you know, with communication that could occur on draft day, issues here and there, you know, the other, just kind of to go through the motions a couple times so it's not the first time you've done it. I mean, right. the, I heard guys talking about, you know, a lot of times in, in a draft film they'll just say, hey, let's throw the tape on for a minute, you know, right, or something, and that's not something they're going to be able to do. Um, really, you know, in this, well, maybe they will, I, I don't know, uh, but, uh, <laughs> it seems, it seems rather difficult. Um, but, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Is that something that they would be, uh, smart to do to, you know, maybe go through this a couple times practice, practice style? Yeah. And I'm sure they've, I'm sure they've done that and are doing that. They've got, what is it, like 17 days left or something like that. Uh, it, yeah, they're they're going to be on top of that. I, though, as prepared as Andrew Barry is for everything, uh, and and that's that's absolutely the persona that he you know gives off. Uh, but you know, again, he's a rookie GM, so we'll find out. But I think that his his preparedness, and I think Paul De Podesta plays into this too, uh, because you know when you're when you're drafting baseball drafts to go back to baseball, I think of what fifty five rounds. Oh, some, yeah. some absurd run. and he's got to know like all these guys are. I don't think that preparation is going to be an issue for them. Now, making the making the decision when you're you know pressed. Okay, let's say we're we're in the fourth round here, and we got you know three guys on the equal tier. You know, mm-hmm. that we judge them all as equal player. Who are we taking? You know, who who makes that decision? Um, where's the tiebreaker at, stuff like that. That's the kind of thing that they need to work through. And hopefully all bucks stop with Barry, but with Stefanski having uh, quite a bit of say in it. Hopefully. Yeah, I, we'll hopefully. see. Yeah, get uh, Jimmy out of there. Um, and then, yes, uh, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> don't need him in there making any final that's, that's when the IT department can selectively cut off his Wi-Fi yeah. or something. Well, well, what happened? Ask you there. Uh, but, uh, and then, you know, they talk a lot about, you know, in the off-season program, which I think, believe would have started, or, or no, not would have started, but uh, yeah, they would have started. they would they would have had last weekend uh, as their first like group mini camp for okay. veterans to return to. It, it wouldn't be mandatory, but you better believe that everybody would have been there, right. so, because when you're when you have a new coaching staff, you get a bonus one, and that it was it would have been last weekend that they had it. Okay. So, you know, they lose that, you know, their bonus, uh, you know, weekend together, whatever. You know, installs become a diff- really difficult thing in this situation. Um, that's a definite disadvantage, I would think. When when are these guys, do you know when they're going to be allowed to get playbooks out to everybody? I haven't heard that yet. I think I think that's something that the NFL is working through. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I thought I saw something that the that – the, I want to say it was the Cowboys were, were working on like spearheading so everybody can get that. And again, this is a disadvantage for having a new team with the new coaching staff on both sides of the ball. You know, they've got to mesh their playbooks together and, and yeah. come up with things. And I'm sure that I'm sure again, because they are a prepared group, I'm sure that that won't be a, a big issue, but getting that a lot to the players and being able to, to run out and, you know, the, the first day of training camp, whenever that might be your mini camp and they go out there to install um, it's new language for everybody. Oh, it's new yeah. faces, coaching for everybody. You know, it, it, it that that's going to be a challenge. It's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see that and how how quickly 
everybody meshes together with all these new voices in their head. And uh, that, that, that is a disadvantage for the Browns, make no question about that, especially in the division that they're in where they have Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh, who are two of the best and most stable coaches in the business. Um, they don't have to worry about that problem. And th- those are the teams that the, the Browns are chasing. Uh, that's, that, that makes that, that climb that much tougher. Yeah, maybe they'll get the Bengals week one with Joe Burrow. And... <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice. Yeah, that would be nice. Right? I, you know what, though? i, I got to say, I, I really like Joe Burrow, and I love the fit in Cincinnati with their young coach there. Yeah. I don't think I don't think it's going to be there right away, but you know, honestly, God, the Bengals have impressed me this off season. They they, they went out and spent some money, man. That's yeah. they're they're at least trying. I don't know if you saw them in my notes, yeah, but they uh, yeah they, they did some good stuff in the secondary there, and uh, you know, you guys think that they're going to be improved certainly, and and uh, Joe, you know, Joe Burrow, I think is going to be obviously the difference maker ultimately. Uh, I don't know about right away, especially with this you know, the quick start that they may be uh, facing here, uh, new quarterbacks, that's going to be another challenge, right? Rick's first-time quarterbacks. Uh, what is the, what is the, what's the minimum time needed before, like, how much time uh, week-wise do you think that they have to give these teams before they can say, all right, let's play games? I typically, I mean, because your OTAs typically start in May, like a week or two, you have mini camp, uh, then you get OTAs, then they get a break through June, and then they're back for, you know, another mini camp and then OT, or, uh, training camp. Right. I'm going to say that they're going to condense all that into probably four weeks, uh, maybe six weeks, but probably four, because I'm, gonna, I'm sure they're going to want to get back playing as soon as they can. And, uh, and including preseason games? I think we'll get probably one – one or two preseason games at the okay. most. Okay. Uh, and and that's something that we've got to get used to. There's they, they did cut a preseason game already. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's yeah. – uh, I, I think – I'm hopeful that the players will be somewhat lenient on this. Again, this is this is a CBA issue too. There's a limited yeah. amount of time that they're allowed to participate. There's limited contact allowed during that time. I'm hopeful that, you know, the players will be like, you know what, for the better good, maybe maybe we'll – Maybe we'll look the other way a little bit and get an extra hour a week of contact um, because uh, I, we're going to look at some sloppy football uh, in the first few weeks that oh, it comes back. No question. Yeah, I mean, the Browns are going to be up against it, especially in that regard, right? And so yeah. um, with just timing-wise, it's just not enough time, really, that you would normally have, you know, Especially spread out over time, where you can work with a guy, they can go look at their playbook and kind of apply that. That it's going to be kind of crunched down, maybe into, like you said, four or six weeks. Certainly enough time to to field a football team, but not as, as uh, you know, not what you would normally expect or the crisp crispness that you're used to. Uh, uh, maybe not the Browns are used to, but some teams are used to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. One. Um, so, so that's interesting. So you expect, let me ask you this. I know you're not a scientist. I am not. <laughs> but uh, do you expect them to lose any games? Do you think that they will figure out a way to get all the games in? I think they will, yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little bit optimistic on that probably. But I, I just, I think that they have enough flexibility um, and, and enough muscle that if they want to do it and, push the Super Bowl back a couple of weeks to a month, 
they'll have the cachet to be able to get that done that other sports entities cannot do. Right. You know, if the NFL, you know, what, what's going on at the first energy stadium in, in January? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Um, you know, there, there are places, um, I'll go to Houston for a second. The Houston rodeo take, does take place, um, but not until like the first week of March. Um, that's a huge deal, by the way. They they get like five million people there over a two week oh, period yeah. for that, um, and, and it, it is it's not in this. Well, actually, it is in the stadium because they do concerts, but it's, it's all around it. Um, so there are some scheduling logistical issues that would probably have to have them done, you know, no later than I would guess President's Day, which is like two weeks later than what the Super Bowl is now. If they if they start though like October first, I think they'd still be able to get it in. Um, yeah, probably eliminate the, the the week between, you know, the media week of Super Bowl. I, yeah. I think would probably go away. They have yeah. some flexibility, so yeah, I, I I I think I think they will get it done. Uh, hopefully, you know, everything gets back to normal fairly soon here. Yeah. Uh, you know, where nobody knows what's going on, honestly. No, um, yeah, I, 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 knows. You know, you know, you're in Ohio. I'm in Michigan. It's it's, it's a different story in both states. They're they're similar, but it, it is different. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there, there are some of the states at their peaks yet. Yeah, these are just questions that we can't answer yet. Yeah. Uh, it, it does seem, though, like it, it just to me anyways, it seems like the, the, the culture is turning a little bit like, okay, we, we're going to we're going to get through this and we'll be fine. But, man, we, we got to get businesses back going soon. And yeah. the NFL is part of that. Yeah. Um, sports are part of that. And I think that, you know, there will be something done. That's what April, what fifth, sixth now. Something by the end of May, I think will will break one way or the other. Yeah. And uh, I'm 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 hopeful that we get it in. Uh, not just because it's my job, but I, I I want it, man. I I, I love it. You know, my, my oh, kids man. play sports. I uh, my, my my son's AAU season. He he's a really good basketball player. Uh, it got it got shortened at the end. It sucks yeah. that we can't do any of this stuff. It's 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 killing us. Um, yeah, it's a shame. It, yeah, it is. It is. Uh, and I feel bad for like you know I, my son's a freshman in high school. I'm like, just be glad you're not like a senior. Can you imagine being like yeah. A high and oh man. Yeah, um, my yeah. son's only an eighth grader, but so yeah. uh, you know my daughter's a fifth grader though, and she's she's like loving to go to fifth grade graduation and all that pomp and yeah. circumstance, you know. Obviously, that doesn't equate with people who are losing their lives. And there are people in my general community here who, you know, who are sick with it and are in the hospital. And there have been a couple of people around here that have died, and it's it's awful. And it's not like like you know old infirm people. Yeah. One of the guys who died here was a 49 year old guy. I'm 47. It scares the hell out of me. You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping the, the social distancing, but man, it's uh, it's tough, yeah. man. It, 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 it's a very tough thing to weigh. I've become quite paranoid, Jeff. I, you know, it, it, I go like if I go out and I go to a store, right? And it's like it's almost like I, I can see, like I'm noticing where germs could be that they never, that I've never noticed. <laughs> so like, I'm like go home, and like every time I come home from going somewhere, I'm like, all right, changing clothes, washing the clothes, taking a shower. Like, yeah. I think this is just my standard practice now. If I go one of the things the that I, I I never realized how much I touch my face. And, yeah. Exactly. Like I went out, I went to the grocery store uh, last like last Thursday or Friday, and I'm like consciously focusing on not touching my face. And I'm like, oh my god, this is really really hard, but yeah. I don't want to die, so <laughs> I'll live with it. <laughs> 
Well, um, awesome stuff, Jeff. Thank you so much for your insight. Terrific as always. Uh, this will make for a great show. Uh, you can uh, make sure you follow Jeff on Twitter, um, and uh, he is uh, always writing for uh, Real GM on the draft and the NFL in general, and of course, USA Today Sports Media Groups, the Browns Wire, and the Lions Wire, and then you can catch him on ESPN. Uh, was it 960? Yes, 961. Pardon me. Yep. Um, and when football season starts in, when you're filling in, and I'm sure we can see that on your Twitter timeline too, right? Oh, absolutely. We always, we always post links so you can stream along if you're not in the Grand Rapids area. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. I will be listening. Uh, it's uh, great. Wonderful to always talk to you, boss. And, uh, we pre- appreciate your time. This will make for a great show. So thank you so much. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on. Hey, stay safe. Thank you, Jeff. And there it was, my interview with the one and only Jeff Risden, managing editor for the Browns Wire and the Lions Wire at USA Today Sports Media Group. Uh, pay attention to uh, everything Jeff does. He does a tremendous amount of work and is terrific at what he does. Will be great with draft breakdowns and everything for both of those teams. Uh, as he used to do for the Texans as well. Just a few things here before we get you up and out of here on All Eyes on Cleveland. Mikey, go ahead and kill that. Mikey on the uh, ones and twos tonight. Uh, thank him, uh, as always, doing a good job there uh, on the board. Uh, and uh, let's, uh, I mentioned before we got into the interview. Um, Roger Goodell came out here moments ago, uh, talked about uh, how it will be a fully viral NFL draft, um, so we can get uh, deem some details from that as me and Jeff uh, got into some uh, timeline stuff there, which brings us to our All Eyes on Cleveland mailbag. Now, All All Eyes on Cleveland is available where all popular podcasts are found. Uh, It'll be published at the Browns Wire uh, of USA Today Sports Media Group uh, tomorrow morning. uh, And uh, so you can catch it there or wherever you get uh, your your podcasts from. So, you know, your iTunes, Speaker, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, Google Play. Uh, just to name a few. But uh, two questions tonight in the All Eyes on Cleveland mailbag uh, that we kind of already hit on uh, accidentally with Jeff, but let's kind of reiterate here. Uh, NEO, uh, so Northeast Ohio against the world, uh, writes into the show, um, how does this end with uh, the coronavirus uh, 19 
so, you know, what is the uh, impact going to be on the season, basically, is the question. You know, Jeff made a good point. He was He's more optimistic than most, actually. Uh, he expects not to miss any games. He said four to six weeks is all they would need to get ready. Maybe one preseason game, if they cram it in, they have some flexibility there. All good points. I would say that, um, uh, you know, if... If it came down to it, worst case scenario, they they could cut a few games from the schedule. Now I'm sure they don't want to do that, but if they had to go to 14 or 12, I still expect to see an NFL season, uh, regardless. Uh, even if they had to do that, now that would be kind of uh, bonkers because you're going to have you know maybe you go down to 12. Like I said, maybe 14 games, and then you get the uh, seven playoff teams from each division as they're going to increase that number this year. So that would be kind of weird uh, and wild stuff, but uh, this is the world we're living in. So a shortened season, I think, would be the worst-case scenario. (coughs) Pardon me. Uh, And then... um, uh, the second question here in tonight's All Eyes on Cleveland mailbag uh, is about uh, Jadavian Clowney, and it is from uh, the Land Sports. Uh, should the Browns make a run at Clowney? Uh, wouldn't cutting Vernon uh, make room for him? So if you cut, it's a tr- we talked about this too, um, and. Uh, Jeff feels pretty strongly that they're pretty much the same player. I think that they are close to the same player. I would say that Jadavian Clowney may be a a little bit more disruptive um, in the backfield and things like that and blowing up plays uh, that don't show up on his pressures really as much, uh, which is kind of what we were looking at statistically. Uh, Vernon, I think, when healthy, is an excellent player. Uh, 15-5 for Vernon right now. The only way I would go that route is if Clowney was willing to go down to 15-5. I don't see that happening. He dropped from potentially or rumored to drop from $20 million a year, expecting price to 17 or $18 million a year. Uh, you know, I think at this point with the Browns, uh, I think with the addition of Adrian uh, Claiborne, uh, that they probably stick with Vernon uh, unless they can get Clowney for 15-5 or below, where you're looking at an equal trade out there uh, as far as money goes with uh, Olivier Vernon. Uh, so that's where I kind of stand with that. Uh, I would give the nod probably to Clowney a little bit uh, as far as being uh, more disruptive. And, you know, they're about equal in pressures, and those are those numbers can be skewed sometimes. I would say that um, Clowney is a little more disruptive of a player when it comes to just blowing up plays in general and, and stopping the offense from their agenda. Uh, so that is those are the two questions for all eyes on uh, Cleveland mailbag tonight. Thank you for kicking into the show there. Uh, so just to uh, go over a couple uh, things real quick, we will have a special guest, Bryce Huff. Uh, who is edge rusher from Memphis, led the country in pressures 
per 100 dropbacks over Chase Young and everything uh, with uh, 14 per 100 dropbacks. Uh, and he's going to come on the show and talk to us a little bit uh, about the process uh, this year. Um, he is a, um, you know, maybe third round uh, pick potentially or so. He is a edge uh, and uh, he's very talented, but he's going to take some time to come on All Eyes on Cleveland podcast. We can talk about uh, his um, process, you know, this year being different than all the other years, especially with the uh, virtual aspect of things um, and, you know, swinging back again to uh, the draft being a fully virtual uh, you know, um, all everybody from their home, uh, no war rooms, nothing like that. Uh, there was rumored to be potentially some smaller war rooms. It looks like Roger Goodell has said no on that. Everybody's going to be doing it from their home, from their stream, from your, your Zoom meeting or whatever you're on there. And that looks like the way that's going to go with the draft. Uh, it, it does, you know, Stefanski did a good job. I agree in his presser. He, you know, he sounded confident, organized. Uh, he brings a professionalism, like, like Jeff said, to the table that hasn't been there. And that's, that's nice to hear. At the same time, though, I would say that, uh, it's, it's hard to find a place where a disadvantage is larger than guys that are doing this for the first time in the draft. So you got to be really careful there um, with all of that. Uh, other uh, around the NFL news, uh, Miami Dolphins rumored to be trying to come up and uh, potentially get Joe Burrow. Uh, the Bengals are crazy if they let him go. Uh, regardless of the draft capital which Miami that Miami has, which is uh, exorbitant at this point. Uh, I think they have like six picks in the top 72 or something crazy like that. You could throw whatever you want at uh, the Bengals at this point. And uh, if I'm them, I'm staying put and taking my guy, Ohio boy, Joe Burrow, going to be a stud. Uh, they've spent some money in free agency, as Jeff said. Could be a, a much improved team this year um, as we look at the AFC North. Uh, any final thoughts here tonight? Uh, basically, stay safe. Wash your hands. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Jeff. Life is weird right now. Uh, we're going to keep bringing you all eyes on Cleveland. Uh, we've got some special guests. Uh, the edge rusher from Memphis that will go in the draft. Uh, Brian, or pardon me, uh, Bryce Hunt. And uh, he will be on the show as well as we've got some guys from around town. I'm going to have on uh, some uh, colleagues of mine to talk about the Browns and the draft. And we'll have it all covered for you as usual here at All Eyes on Cleveland. Make sure you catch the show where all popular podcasts are found. uh, And you can go to the website, of course, uh, go to the website. It's All Eyes on Cleveland.com. Uh, that's All Eyes on Cleveland.com.
Com. Check it out there. News on the show and all that good stuff. Always go to the BrownsWire.com where Jeff Risden is managing editor, where I write as well for content coming out all the time on your Cleveland Browns. I uh, hope you enjoyed. Jeff Risden was fantastic. Stay tuned to All Eyes on Cleveland podcast. We'll keep doing it. We'll keep doing it big. Everybody stay safe out there. For Mikey behind the glass and a big thanks to Jeff Risden. I am Brad Ward and I am out. <laughs>